HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Copper and Kings, pure copper pot distilled American brandy aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. For more information, visit copperandkings.com. Hi, this is Celia Cutcher, host of Animal Instinct, and you are listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. All in the Industry is pro- produced by Heritage Radio Network, a nonprofit, member supported radio station devoted to all things food. Help keep HRN alive by becoming a member today. Go to heritageradionetwork.org and click on the beating heart to donate. Do it now. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. We're coming to you live from Roberta's Restaurant in Bushwick, Brooklyn. It is Wednesday, July 13th. This is the 112th episode of the series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talents in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is a true mixtress and pioneer in craft cocktails. I will introduce her in a moment. First, as I do on every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to be a mentor and a mentee. Teach and be teachable. It's a two-way street. Find a pro who you admire and learn as much as you can, and then pass it on. We can all be students and teachers and help each other grow. So learn and share. That's my tip today. Now, I'm thrilled to have my guest calling in today. It is Julie Reiner. She is the co-owner of Flatiron Lounge in Manhattan and Clover Club and Leenda in Brooklyn and the founder of Mixtress Consulting. Julie has been elevating the cocktail scene in New York City for over 15 years. She's received many accolades, including in 2009, Clover Club won Best New Cocktail Lounge in the World at Tales of a Cocktail, and in 2013, Best American Cocktail Bar and Best High Volume Bar, and Julie was personally awarded Best Bar Mentor. This past year, Julie wrote her first 
book, Craft Cocktail Party, and her recipes have been featured in the New York Times, New York Magazine, Food and Wine, and many more. She has been featured on the Today Show, the Food Network. I could go on and on. Well, let me just say hi to Julie. So, hello, Julie. Hello. Thanks for taking the time to come on my show today. I'm excited to talk with you. Thanks, Sherry. I'm happy to be here. Yes, so I wanted to start out with your background and how you got into the hospitality industry and craft cocktails. Um, When did it begin? Um, Well, well, it really began sort of as a a kid in my parents' house. (laughs) Of course. uh, Yeah, you know, they entertained a lot, and I was always, um, I grew up in Hawaii, and I was always the one kind of passing out the mango margaritas like that to my parents' friends. Um, and then, you know, I started, I started cocktail waitressing when I was 18 in Waikiki. Um, and I, that was really kind of the start of my love affair with the bar industry and being curious about what was happening behind the bar. And I went to college and cocktailed and bartended through college and and then graduated and moved um, to San Francisco, where I was going to get uh, a real job <laughs> that my parents, you know, what, what my dad called a real job. And um, I was bored to death sitting behind a desk trying to do marketing and whatnot. Um, and so I, you know, I decided that I really wanted to stay in the restaurant bar business and went back to bartending and cocktail waitressing again in San Francisco. Um, And then a few years later, moved to New York City, and that was really where I started taking a more culinary approach to cocktails and, um, you know, managing a bar and and putting out my own menus. So what was was one of the first bars you worked at? Because I'm remembering us meeting at, at Link Restaurant. Yeah, that was that was way back in the day. Um, yeah, we've we've known each other a really long time. <laughs> yeah, well, that account, that restaurant account, which Link is no longer there, but it was by Union Square, and that was my second restaurant I I represented as uh, on my own with Bayer Public Relations, and um, so it was a long time ago, and I have I have you know a lot of memories from that. Um, yeah, I, well, so uh, the first place I was, I was managing was a place called C3, which was in the West Village, and it was connected to the Washington Square Hotel. Okay. Um, and that, that was the, the first spot that I really started getting, uh, where, where people were writing about the drinks that I was doing, and I was in the New York Times a couple times, and the New York Magazine, and, um, and then from there, I worked, um, at a place called Alusha that was on Park Avenue South. And then I consulted at Link and another place in Midtown um, on their cocktail menus and helping them to get open. And uh, and the whole time, you know, when I was at Link, I started working on opening Flatiron Lounge. Um, right, because so it was 2003. Was, yeah. Right. I actually, when yeah, the owner found out I was opening my own bar, I got fired. But <laughs> oh, <laughs> I didn't know that part. But <laughs> yeah, I got canned because I was opening a bar not too far away. Um, but uh, yeah, but that was 
Yeah, and Flatiron is is I mean, it's well from 2003. It's it's been going strong and I feel like it's it's one of those cocktail lounges um in New York that's really set the pace for for what we're seeing today and like change in in craft craft cocktails. I mean, what was your what was your initial vision with it? Well, you know, I realized uh, when I was at three and then I, you know, suddenly I was on the front page of the food section of the New York Times. It was kind of like this whole, I realized that really high quality cocktails were, you know, were really like in demand, but not very many people were doing them at that time in New York. It was hard to get a drink with fresh juice or an infusion or a syrup that you had made. Everything was, you know, sour mix on the gun. Um, other than, you know, a couple of spots. Um, and so, I, you know, I was like, I, I, in, this is a city that where everything has been done and the competition is very high, and this is something that the New York market wanted, clearly, uh, but that wasn't being filled. So I, I was like, you know, I really wanted to open a very, you know, like a high-end cocktail bar using all fresh ingredients and where the cocktail was the star of the show. Um, that was the idea behind it. And, you know, we, we went with a very Art Deco um, kind of look uh, for the space and kind of old New York, paying uh, homage to classic cocktails. Yeah, well, I've I've been a fan, and as has my last show guest I had on. I had on Amanda Bourne. That was episode 110, and she's the author and creator of The Bourne Explorer. And so I asked her to ask you a question. So she noted how she loves the Flatiron Lounge, especially because of its incredible jazz program, and it's one of her go-tos. Um, but her question is, like, what's your equation or, quote-unquote, cocktail for curating uh, like your visionary success is how she put it. Um, like, is it instinct? Is it a feel you get into walk into a place? Like, did you open Flatiron Lounge? Like, did you fall in love with the space? Or you know, I think that's the, the yeah. what she's asking. I mean, I think there's a lot of. I mean, first of all, when you find a, a location, you know, it has to. You know, spaces have give you a feel. You know, it's like when it's an empty space and you walk in. It, it needs to speak to you. It needs to have the right feeling about it. Um, and, you know, Flatiron really had that, and that, that room just felt good. Uh, and, it, you know, it, it, through the design and the build-out, um, it just kind of all felt to get, came together, and it was a really great team of people that, that worked to open it. Um, so, you know, that, goes, that was a huge, a huge part of of um, its success. Um, you know, I think also it just happened very organically and it was the right time uh, in New York to do something like that. Right. No, yeah, timing timing does always play in and I think you were ahead of of the curve, definitely someone who had a vision. And Amanda's other question, she wants to know if you'd like to come home Come to her home for dinner. She would like to cook for you and me. She lives in Dumbo. <laughs> <laughs> if you're up for it. <laughs> I, I love a, a dinner. Uh, <laughs> I'll bring the cocktail. <laughs> oh, perfect. 
Yeah, no, she's, I, I have not had her home cooking, but I, I have a feeling she's an exceptional cook. So um, we can we can plan a date. <laughs> well, cool. So so then you went on to Pagoo Club, um, consulting on that project, which, or what was your involvement? And that opened in 2005. Uh, yeah, so basically the, the partners at, at Flatiron kind of found this space on Houston Street, and we're looking to open another another spot. And, um, you know, at the time, I kind of thought that it was too soon to put my name on something else. And Audrey Saunders was a very good friend of mine. Um, and so we talked to her about coming in, and she she was at Bemelman's Bar at the time. Um, and we talked to her about coming in and uh, having that be her bar and put her name on it and have her do that cocktail program in the way that I sort of was facing, you know, for, for Flatiron Lounge. This, this sort of attachment of a celebrity bartender to a bar program was a very new thing at the time. Um, so, yeah, and, and it worked really well. Like, people like to come in to Flatiron and see me behind the bar and know that I was curating the drinks there. And, um, and so that was how, how we got together with Audrey. And so, yeah, we, we brought her in and built that space out and, and opened Pegu in 2005. Yeah, another amazing spot. I mean, it has such a good feel to it, and your cocktails uh, are, are awesome, I feel. Um, it In a totally different neighborhood in Manhattan, um, which actually brings me to my next I thought as being so then moving forward to 2008 you decided to open Clover Club in Brooklyn so um, why open a place in Brooklyn and and what was that experience like compared to opening places in Manhattan well I had moved to Brooklyn and you know it it was sort of like there was nothing uh, of that caliber to go to Mm -hmm. and so I Clover ended up being, like, the place that I wanted to go to <laughs> in Brooklyn. Um, and, you know, I started talking to David Wondrich, who lives very close to me. I live in Park Slope, and he lives very close to Smith Street and Carroll Gardens area. And, you know, I started talking to him about wanting to open something here um, and kind of weighing out where that where it should be. And um, we found this really awesome space on Smith Street. And Smith Street, you know, was Carroll Gardens ha- had some families, but a lot of young people who had just moved out from Manhattan out to Brooklyn and um, great clientele. After being in Manhattan for so long, you know, it was kind of refreshing the idea of having a spot that was all New Yorkers as your clientele. Um, that, I feel like we're really skilled at, at Clover because we have the best clientele ever um but yeah that was uh, that was kind of how that happened and um we we went with it yeah you certainly did i mean (laughs) i i don't know i'm just thinking about all your places and it's 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 just it's the right combination between the style and the feel of a place and and then the cocktail program so so then how do you between between your places, like, 
are you do you do you repeat cocktails are you always coming up with new things and how do you um i mean what what's the different style between these these places or has there been um you know a, a vision in in that 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 you're you're looking to do something different in brooklyn than you than you were doing in manhattan yeah well i mean i think in you know, in Brooklyn, we're able to be a lot more adventurous um, because our clientele is almost 100% New Yorkers and Brooklynites. Um, and they are savvy and educated on spirits and cocktails, and we can put really esoteric things into a drink, and they're willing to try it, you know, and they're interested in in trying new things. Um, you know, in, in Brooklyn, in Manhattan, you know, I also consult on a lot of places in Midtown, and, you know, it's sort of like you can't, oftentimes, like, you can't use, put something in a drink there that people don't understand or that they've never had before. They are not willing to give it a shot, you know? Right. Um, so Brooklyn is, you know, we're very spoiled here because we're able to really do crazy things and, um and and we're, it, we get the support of the, the people of the neighborhood, uh, which is awesome. Yeah. So uh, so what like yeah. what's something crazy or what 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 would that be like? What type of a ingredient? I mean, like using using like a lot of bitter spirits, or um, you know, we've done you know like smoke and barbecue, <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> right. savory chef-driven, you know, drinks that we've collaborated with the chef on that are, um, you know, that are just different. Or even, like, using spirits that, you know, like, even, you know, when Mezcal first started to become popular, um, it's definitely something that is more of an acquired taste for a lot of people. A lot of people in the cocktail world love it, but the general public, it was taking some time for that to catch on. Um, things like Sue's, you know. Um, or singani, or these these different spirits that are um, that are newer and and less um, popular with the, the general public, um, we're able to really to work with. So you know the menus at, at Clover are very much uh, collaboration between the bar staff. And we have it's, you know people we have an amazing staff of bartenders and. You know, back in the early day at Fly, days at Flatiron, the menu was all me doing every single drink and on the menu. Now, you know, the bar staff pretty much all, all come in, and it's a think tank, and they present drinks, and then they tweak them with each other. So it's just, you know, everything, everybody's working together to create something new every season. Right. Well, that's that makes sense, and that's cool. And on that note, we're going to take a little break. So don't go anywhere. We're going to come right back. This is Only Industry on Heritage Radio Network. What's up? This is Jack Inslee, the executive producer of Heritage Radio Network, also the host of Full Service Radio. And I want to talk to you about brandy. Uh, I was lucky enough to visit Louisville, and we all know Kentucky is whiskey territory. However, the best thing I had to drink was brandy. I got to visit Copper and King's Distillery, and they make pure copper pot distilled American brandy 
aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels, matured with rock and roll. That's right. Sonic aging. They're playing music to the barrels. The stuff is double distilled, non-chill filtered, unadulterated by bois, sugar, or caramel color. And this stuff is feisty, rambunctious, with a long, smooth finish. This stuff isn't made exactly in the style of an international brandy or a cognac. It's more along the lines of an American whiskey. I can really be honest here and tell you, I'm not just reading you an ad, I'm giving you a tip. American brandy, you're not seeing it everywhere. Copper and Kings is doing it incredibly well, and they're cool people. The distillery is full of incredible art. Like I said, they're playing rock and roll to the barrels. So again, Copper and Kings, pure copper, pot distilled, American brandy, aged in Kentucky bourbon barrels. That's copperandkings.com. Drink it neat, put it in a cocktail, sub it for your brown spirits, experiment, have fun, get funky. This stuff is awesome. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is cocktail pro Julie Reiner, the co-owner of Flatiron Lounge, Clover Club, Leenda, and she is the founder of Mixtress Consulting. So, Julie, um, now you also have Leenda, which opened last year with Ivy Mix, correct? And Ivy used to work with you? Are you there? Hi. Okay. Yeah. So, Leenda, how did this come about with with Ivy, um, who I from I know was a former longtime bartender at Clover Club. Yeah. So Ivy's been working with us for quite some time, and you know she was looking to do her own thing, and and had been working with some different people trying to get something open and. It's very hard to open bars in New York, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the, nobody wants to rent to you if you don't have a track record of renting stuff, you know, and nobody wants to loan you money if you don't have a track record of creating successful places, especially in restaurants and bars, which are there's a huge failure rate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was really hitting a lot of walls, and uh, our landlord at Clover Club came to us and had a space that is literally almost across the street and he was like you know he's very old school Brooklyn he's like I want you girls to take my space (laughs) (laughs) Um, and uh, which is so refreshing after dealing with a lot of uh, management companies in Manhattan Um, and you know he had had a couple failed restaurants in this spot and I had been eyeing this location for a while because I loved the facade of it and how it looks and it has a nice backyard and uh, but I didn't know it was his building, and we went over and checked it out and started talking about it, and I said, well, you know, why don't we, if we're going to do something across the street from ourselves, it has to be like the polar opposite concept so we're not feeling our own business, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, and Ivy's passion is every is Latin America and tequila and mezcal, and these are the spirits that we were, we you know, had talked about because um, Clover is very much whiskey and gin focused. So I went to Ivy and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in coming in on this project and partnering with us to create something in this space? And and so she jumped at the chance. And um, shortly after, Leanda was born. There you have it. I went out there over a fourth of July July weekend. I had brunch and um had a great time. The the backyard is 
it's 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 like such a a nice nice hidden hidden garden back there practically you know um i always like finding finding um uh, New York outlets where, where, you know, it's a comfortable space to, you know, I don't know. It's like hidden, hidden gems, I guess, when you find alfresco dining at, at, at good spots, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a great space and Ivy has done such a brilliant job there. The drinks are so good. Um, and, uh, Sue Torres is our, our chef. And her food is amazing. I, I find myself so often, you know, it's like I'll be managing Clover Club and I go across the street and eat food over there and come back. And, you know, it's, um, it's great. Yeah, no, and it's they are so close to each other. And so, how do you how do you juggle all of these places? I mean, I I can see being out in Brooklyn and being able to go back and forth there. But how often are you coming back into Manhattan? And um, I mean, it's a lot a lot you have on your your plate with with all these places. Yeah. I'm more involved with Clover Club and Leanda. Uh-huh. Um, I'm. You know, Pegu Club, I'm, I really don't uh, do, I go to a meeting here or there, you know, over the course of a year, but I'm not at all involved at this point in operations there. Um, I'm still a little bit more involved at Flatiron, but I have a head bartender there, uh, KJ Williams, who handles, handles that bar and has been there for quite a long time and does all the menus and um takes care of it so you know i I, i'm I'm definitely more involved there but i don't you know i can call them up and be like hey how's it going great i'll talk to you later right well weeks go by and i don't i don't go into manhattan and i like it that way Yeah, I've heard that from other people. I don't know. I'm still a Manhattan girl, so I I take my trips out to Brooklyn. <laughs> and uh it's it's been interesting to watch Smith Street change over the years. I mean, I had a client out there probably like 2005 and it, it's much different now and um there are tons it's it's like it it is it for me at least a destination like I want to go out and spend time there. Yeah, it's been interesting to see because over the course of the eight years that Clover has been open, we've started to see, you know, it wasn't like this in the beginning, um, but we slowly it's like started to see almost like a reverse commute where people are from Manhattan on the weekends are coming out to Brooklyn so that, you know, because there's so many Turks that go to Manhattan. So they come out to Brooklyn to, to get more of that New Yorker kind of vibe. Um and, you know, and also a lot of European tourists that like stay in Brooklyn. Right. Well, yeah, it's changing. So that's true. What do you what have you seen over the years with just trends in, in beverage programs that like the biggest change or, or what do you what do you see coming up? Um, if you can predict the future. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I always, that's like the number one question. Uh, and <laughs> I next? never know what to really say because it's sort of like we just kind of, for, for my spot, you know, it's like we just work with the things that we're interested in and what we're passionate about at the time. So it's, it's, it's very difficult to say. Um, you know, I think that, I think that is the trend towards uh, just bars that are fun, that sort of high quality stuff is, is happening. It's a little less precious and a little less buttoned up, um, but still high quality. Um, 
we've seen a lot of seen, seen a lot of that over the last couple of years, and I, I think that more and more places are opening, you know, and that take that sort of um, angle. Okay, cool. Um, so next week is Tales of a Cocktail, and I'm going down there for the very first time. My um, colleague, Damon Bolte of the Speakeasy, who just did the show before me and says hi to you, <laughs> he's going to be down there. And um, I know you're going to be down there. So what's your involvement this year, and what can I expect? <laughs> uh, yeah, I can't believe this is your first year. You betcha. <laughs> I'm in. You live for it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how many parties there are, by the way. I get emails. I get like a handful every day inviting me to something, and I'm just overwhelmed. Yeah. Like, there's something to be at, at every second, pretty mm-hmm. much. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, Tales is, is really uh, an interesting phenomenon. <laughs> um there are, you know, parties every day, all sorts of seminars. I would say, you know, just try to try to get a combination of things going where you can, you know, go to some, it really delve into some of the seminars because there's some great information. Um, I'll be doing a seminar called Think, Swim, or Get Out of the Pool that is about what to do when things aren't going great. You know, and there are a lot of people talking about, oh, you know, this is how you succeed and this is, you know, about about the positives of running bars and being in the bar business, but sometimes uh, you have to adjust and, you know, things don't go well, and so what do you do then? That's what the seminar that I'm doing about is about. Um, that sounds great. I'm also going to be working, yeah, I'll be working at the William Grant party on Wednesday night and the Diageo party on Friday night, and uh, I'm doing a Singani event, and then I'm presenting some awards, the Spirited Awards, and we're nominated for a few things. Landa is nominated for um, Best New American Cocktail Bar, and um, my book is nominated this year, The Craft Cocktail Party. That's awesome. No, congratulations on, on the book, on the nominations. I I, I will be rooting for you. I um, yeah, it's exciting. You and uh, I'm excited to just go and observe and see see what this crazy event is all about. <laughs> yeah, just uh, pace yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't. I you probably don't remember this about me, but I, I'm not a drinker, so that is why I haven't gone to tales all these years. And um, I I'm I'm. But I'm excited about it, and I, I just I just want to see what it's about and and take in as much as I can. And um, I'm excited just to be in New Orleans too. So, um, yeah. well, you don't have to be a drinker to enjoy tales. To be honest. <laughs> are, between the seminars and you know seeing New Orleans, the food in New Orleans is amazing. Um, Surely you will be eating something while you're there. Oh, I, I mean, I have, I have a few reservations. I need to go to Shia. I want to go to Mofo. I want to go to um, Le, Petite, uh, Le Petite Grocery. I mean, I'm, yeah, I don't know how I'm going to do it all. I feel like it's going to be a, a no sleep couple of days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. But, um, well, cool. I will see you down there. And we're going to take another break here. And then we're going to come back and play my speed round game and talk some industry news. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. 
Okay, we're back. This is All New Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Julie Reiner. It is time for my speed round game. So, Julie, what this is, is I'm going to name a couple of things. It's an either-or situation, and you just pick your preference. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, so here we go. Eat in or eat out? Eat in. Wine, beer, cocktail, or mocktail? Cocktail. Thought you'd go with that one, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> exactly. How about tasting menu or a la carte? Um, tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Again? Tipping or all-inclusive? Okay. A couple more. Shaken or stirred? Well, that depends. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, God. Well, stirred if I had to choose. Okay. Does, <laughs> does it depend on who's stirring it? <laughs> no. Honestly, it depends on the time of year. <laughs> okay. It's good to know. Shaken. (laughs) January, February, (laughs) third. Perfect. I love it. How about being a mentor or being a mentee? A mentor. I've done that a lot longer. (laughs) (laughs) Cheese plate or dessert? Cheese plate. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Waikiki? Oh, uh... Brooklyn. All right. Cool. That's the game. You did very well. Did I win? <laughs> you won. You definitely won. When I when, Next time I see you, I'll give you an all-in-the-industry hat. I have hats. <laughs> you, you win that, and you also win a talk with me in the, in, for industry news discussion, which is super exciting. <laughs> so, um, so news this week... Um, New York Times had a nice article by William Grimes entitled Four Seasons Lunch Spot for Manhattan's Prime Movers Moves On. So this is something we've talked about on the show, how the Four Seasons is, well, it's, it's, it's not, it's, I want to say closing, but it's changing. So after 57 years, he's saying it's 1959 again. So this iconic restaurant, um, which is in the Seagram building, um, is going to have its last meal on July 16th. And um, it's known for its power lunch. And so Julian Nicolini and Alex Von Bitter are planning to open another restaurant. They've been opening, they've been running this for 21 years. And the major food group is coming in and taking over it over so um it's a big it's a big uh restaurant change happening um any any thoughts on the four seasons julie well i mean that's very there's a lot of history there um but you know it's often it is sad to see these uh these long-time restaurants go Mm -hmm. um but sometimes they sometimes they have run their course um, and it's time for something new. Yeah, I mean, I 
I went last week, actually, for lunch. It was my second time going uh, with Barbara Sibley, who is a friend of mine. You know, Barbara. Um, And it was, you know, we sat in the pool room. We had been once before a few years ago and went in and sat in the grill room, which is really known for its power lunch. And, um, you know, we took it all in. It's, it's, it's one of those special, special restaurants. I think that pool room is just so stunning. And, uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, you know, it's, I think change is inevitable. So I'm curious to see what, what does happen with, with, the major food group team coming in and, and how they are going to change the menu and anything with the setup. It will be interesting. And also it will be yeah, interesting to see what the crowd is. So, Yeah, I'm sure, you know, they'll breathe, breathe some new, new life and new energy into it. Yeah. So we will, we will stay tuned and I'm sure be reporting about that once that reopens. Um, okay. So other news this week and, can't believe I'm talking about this, but <laughs> I thought it might be fun to talk with you about it, Julie. So on Eater, there's a story. New York restaurants are already making money off Pokemon Mania by Serena Dye. Oh are you familiar with this Pokemon okay. thing happening? Well, it's so funny that you asked this question because this morning at, when I was at Clover Club, uh, one of the bartenders came in and she was She's like, oh my gosh, when I left Leanda last night, this cop was playing this Pokemon game in front of, you know, Leanda. And I, I was like, what is she talking about? I was like, yeah, okay, that's great. And I had no idea what she was talking about. And then my partner, Christine, came in and was like, have you heard about this Pokemon thing? And she explained it to me, and I was like, and then she started telling me about how restaurants are doing this thing where they're paying $10 to get the Pokemon mm-hmm. stuff inside the restaurant to lure people inside. I'm like, this is a, I'm like, am I really old or something? You know? No, I... This is the easiest thing I've... And who has time for this? <laughs> I, I feel you. I, I, that's why I say it's... I, I, I can't believe I'm talking about this, but it's like everyone's talking about how... how People are so into it, and there was they were they said in this article that one restaurant claims their business shot up seventy five percent because of it. So basically, these people who are playing this Pokemon Go game or or Pokemon I don't know they're going they're they're trying to find them and they're going to these locations and they're they're it's bringing business to bars and restaurants. So I was overhearing people talk about like doing promotions for it for their bars and restaurants to to get in on it. I mean, I downloaded the app the other night just to look at it, and I deleted it then after five minutes because I just, I feel old. <laughs> I feel like I don't yeah, get it. I thought, well, I, and I don't understand what the point is. Right. <laughs> it's a game. So you still the Pokemon, and then it's like, I have more than you do or something? Like, who wins? Nobody wins? You just keep collecting them? I don't know. I don't know. There you know, was... Somebody, someone got lured into into some place. They're all looking at their phone because they're trying to collect the Pokemon, and like they, somebody got robbed in uh, New Orleans looking at their phone, trying to find a Pokemon or something. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. And I mean, this just happened this week, and we'll see what happens if it just phases phases out. But apparently, it's it's very popular, and I think okay. I'm I don't really? know. I feel like a square. 
Exactly. You and I are the only people not playing the Pokemon game. Yeah. Well, I don't know. So we'll see. I don't know. I'm 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 curious about it because I work with restaurants and and you know and you I don't know. I think even from what I've seen, even bars I think are more getting into this too because it's you know an easy place for people to drop by. But um, that's that. I don't know if there will be a follow up report on this. There may be, but we'll see. <laughs> Okay, so on that note, we're... Yeah, maybe some... I don't know. I Maybe maybe someone just needs to show us, like, how it works, and then we'll be hooked. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take one more break. I'm going to come back and do my solo dining experience. So stay with us. This is all in the industry on Heritage Radio Network. Welcome back to Own the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. It's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Momosan Ramen and Saki. Here's the rundown. The location, 342 Lexington Avenue at 39th Street in Murray Hill, New York City. The concept, ramen spot with communal tables for Japanese noodles, appetizers, and sakis. The chef and owner, Iron Chef Masaharu Morimoto. Why did I go? Because I was in the neighborhood at an early dinner time, and I figured that was my best bet at getting in. My experience? I was right. By going at around 5 o'clock... I was able to get into this new reservation restaurant right away. I got a seat at the chef's counter, which I thought was the best seat. And uh, I snapped my experience because I'm snapping on Snapchat. And uh, I watched the sous chef in front of me. He had the Peking ducks right right there. And um, it was a really cool spot. I was entertained. My server was very, very helpful. And uh, so what did I get? I had one Peking duck taco with cucumber, hoisin, apricot, sweet chili sauce, and crispy gyoza skin. Then I had an appetizer of sticky ribs, which had two pieces. that came with hoisin, chili glaze, and cilantro. And I had a small tantan ramen bowl, which had spicy coconut curry, pork chasu, red miso, ground pork, ahitama, and cilantro. So my take, it was delicious all around. The duck taco was a perfect small bite bite and the ribs fell off the bone and the ramen was full of flavor now i took most of the ramen to go as my eyes were much bigger than my appetite when ordering the ambiance energetic vibe with communal tables and an open kitchen servers shout out a welcome in japanese when every guest arrives it's fun perfect for solo eats and ramen cravings interesting tidbit Momosan Ramen and Sun Noodle developed a special noodle that is most resistant to becoming nobiru, which is the condition where noodles absorb soup and get soggy. And it's a major reason why in Japan people try to eat their noodles quickly. 
So the idea here is to allow you to enjoy the ramen longer, and it worked for me as I took most of it to go. Personal fun fact, I once waited in line for almost two hours for chicken ramen at an eight-seat restaurant in Tokyo called Kagari, and believe it or not, it was worth it. Now, the cost of Momo-san was $22, not including tax and gratuity. I thought it was a really good value. Would I go back? Yes. Their website is momosanramen.com. Now, it's time for the final question. So, Julie, if uh, you could ask a question for Clark Wolf. He is one of the top restaurant consultants. His company, Clark Wolf Company, is based in New York City and Sonoma County. Um, And he's he's been in the game a long time. I think even longer than us. So, (laughs) um, Julie, can you ask a question for Clark? I'm I'm sorry. You were cutting out there. I didn't hear the... The first part. Of that. Oh, that's okay. Um, so next, my next guest is Clark Wolf. He is a restaurant consultant. I wanted to see uh-huh. if you can ask him a question. He's a restaurant consultant. Yes, he's a, a cruising for a bruising. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, gosh, what would my question be? Um, it doesn't have to be I related guess, I guess to. Like what? What? Uh, what? Is his preference on consulting like more high end spots or or laid back, relaxed, you know, restaurants? Okay. That's good to know. <laughs> I mean he's been he's been he's been a consultant for a long time and so I think I have I'm sure he has experience in both and I I'm sure he has a preference now. <laughs> I would bet he does. So we'll see. Yeah. Okay, great. So that's the show. So thank you so much for for joining me today. And um, you're you're amazing. I, I I'm in awe of thank your you career. So much, Sherry. Oh, you're welcome. No, you're you're incredible. I, I love your spot. Thank so. you so much for having me. And I hope I see you at Tails. Yes, I'm gonna look for you. Okay. Sounds great. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Thanks. So my guest today has been Julie Reiner. She's the co-owner of Flatiron Lounge, Clover Club, and Leanda, and the founder of Mixtress Consulting. Her websites are flatironlounge.com, cloverclubny.com, leandabk.com. You can find her on social media at mixtressnyc. You can find me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. And that is Julie hanging up. And my websites are BayerPublicRelations.com and SherryBayer.com. Now, as I said on the show, next week I'm going to be away at Tales of a Cocktail in New Orleans. So my next live show with Clark Wolf will be on Wednesday, July 27th at 4 p.m. as usual. As a reminder, you can find all of our shows archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also on Stitcher and iTunes. Thanks to my engineer, Pierre. And thanks again to Julie. I'm Sherry Bayer. Thank you for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.